Between May 2020 and December 2021, I have secured $8,121,009.35 in legitimate funding for Black and minority-owned businesses. My name is Taliba Bales, and I'm the host of the Black and Bankable podcast. Effective immediately, I am coming for more for the community. Welcome to the Black and Bankable podcast. My name is Taliba Bales, and today, if you are thinking of starting a business, I want you to tune in. Get a piece of paper, pen, if you're taking notes on your tablet, however you're doing this, I want us to have an engaging thought process surrounding you considering launching or relaunching your business. So you may have heard of that stat, the stat that 40% or more, forty between 40 and 41% Black businesses closed during the pandemic. All right. And, and, and we can let that soak in. We can understand uh, why businesses, not only just black businesses, but why small businesses uh, may have closed during the pandemic. But I'm here to refocus you on that because just as well as we've had businesses closed, we have black businesses opening and being created even during the times of uncertainty. But what we have to do in pivoting, Because one thing about black people is we know how to pivot. What we have to do in this pivoting process is we have to be strategic about what we are set out to do. Starting a business because you're really great at, say, making T-shirts, baking cookies. You're really great at detailing cars. Whatever it is you're really great at and, and you want that to be your focus of pivoting, we still have to make sure that you know how to run your business. You're really great at all of those things, but how do we run it? So when you think of the word launch, Right. That's that's a that's a positive common word that uh, business owners and aspiring business owners can immediately think of. This is something that I need to do to let people know about my business. So when you're thinking launching, you're like, okay, I want to put this money allocated towards marketing. I want to put this money allocated towards inventory. I want to put this money advocated towards anything specifically in your launch strategy plan. What I found in the past 15 years of working with black business owners, though, is for some reason or another, a part of that launch plan doesn't really include financial strategies. So if we take it back to knowing that black businesses are being created every day during times of uncertainty, needing that strategy, that's why today's topic is Don't start the business without these five financial strategies. Okay, so I hope you're ready because we are going to dive right into them. So the first thing, the first financial strategy that you have to consider in your launch plan, if it's not in there, then you're not going to be doing this the right way. And that is selecting the right business entity. What the hell am I talking about? Sole proprietorship versus LLC. LLC versus corporation, right? That's what we need to first focus on. Before you say how much you're going to spend in marketing, before you say how much you want to designate towards inventory, 
we need to make sure that you have actually chosen the correct business entity. Now, I'm going to dedicate a whole different episode when it comes to sole proprietor versus LLC, because that really can uh, get in depth. But for the focus of my five financial strategies, I want to speak to the folks who are considering not incorporating your business or not becoming an actual legal entity structure. And that's my sole proprietors. Okay, if if you are not considering actually filing papers at your county court, however your your state requires you to become an official business, don't. Don't do it. Don't leave that process out. Do not remain just a sole proprietor. And so in distinguishing this, I need you to know why. And though I'm not an attorney, I definitely can understand how this will affect your taxes, which is your money. Okay. As a sole proprietor, you have no legal protection. Don't remain a sole proprietor. And I'm going to give you an example to demonstrate how this can get into your pockets. Because I can already imagine that you're thinking, well, are you an attorney? You know, but again, I work with attorneys all the time on business formation. And when you're forming your business, how you file taxes is directly impacted. So let me give you that example of how just remaining a sole proprietor is not the best way to go. It's not the most strategic way to go. Let's use the business owner that is, uh, let's see, you're creating hair hair products or you're, pre- you're creating something for the skin and you're selling your products. You're at a pop-up shop. You are making, you had a really strong day of sales and the next day, you are contacted by a client who has used your skin product and something they have had to be in the hospital, (laughs) rushed in an emergency because they had an allergic reaction. And now they're looking at you because your skincare product was the cause of them being in the hospital. So what do you think their next action might be? They might take you to court. Okay, they they want their 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 reparations because you have you have affected their skin. They're in the hospital. Your product has caused that as a sole proprietor. You have no legal protection. So let's break down what that means. This client decides to take you to court and the judge comes up and wants to know, well, what are all your assets? What are all the things on the table that this particular client may have access to should I rule in the client's favor? So as a sole proprietor, if you, uh, because you're transitioning to business ownership, you may have a 401k. You may have a house. You may have a car. All of these things are assets that as a sole proprietor, because you don't have legal protection, they're on the table for that judge to consider when or if he or she's going to rule in that client's uh, favor. Your personal assets are up for grabs. Whereas if you are at least a single member LLC, same scenario. Okay, unfortunately, the skincare product caused someone to be in a hospital. They're now wanting to come after you because it's your fault. (laughs) You know how folks are now because you are a single member LLC. 
you have that legal protection in that your business and not you because your business is separate from you, the CEO, your business's assets are now up for grabs. It's still an unfortunate situation, but I want you to see the difference between your personal assets, which could be your house, could be your 401k, could be anything that you own that's in your name, that's linked to your name and your social security numbers up for grabs versus something that your business could have an asset on. It could be a major difference in what is potentially up for grabs should that client decide to sue you. So that's where the financial in your pockets is very important for you to consider before you launch. And as a single member LLC, those typically are easier to form than an all out corporation. Uh, so in this case, I definitely recommend, depending on the type of business that you are going to create, I recommend that you do consult an attorney to decide which legal entity structure to select and to create your business under. However, you definitely want to choose a legal entity and not remain just a sole proprietor. To dig deeper into that, and I know I said I was going to do a whole entire episode on this, but I want to drop a little gem and then we'll talk about that in a, an entirely different episode when it comes to sole proprietors. Because, of course, one of the relevant facts that's going on right now is there are a lot of gig workers, Uber drivers, contractors, 1099 NEC individuals. Did you know you can still be a contractor. You can still be a gig worker and have a single member LLC. You would just fill out your contractor paperwork, your W-9, under your business's entity. Instead of putting your name and your social, you would put your LLC and your LLC's EIN. So you can still very much function as a gig worker and as a contractor under your single member LLC and whoever you have that contract with will absolutely observe that because that's how you are filling out that paperwork. But that's a whole nother episode. Okay. Going back to that number one financial strategy, that is making sure that you have selected the right business entity structure because here's how it links into more of your pockets. Not only does it give you that legal protection, but again, as I said before, it also directly affects how you're going to file taxes. And nobody wants to automatically have a huge tax bill, right? So we know that we have to pay taxes, but you want to be a smart taxpayer, right? So you want to make sure that if it's, a, if it's something that you can write off to avoid a large tax bill, that you're doing that under the right context. So that's the first one. Business entity structure, launch pad, add it. Am I, am I carefully considering that? All right. So the next strategy, and you may have heard me talk about this in the first um, explanation, and that is going to be making sure that you separate your personal from your business, everything, right? So in that example of the client who decided to take you to court and the judge looking at what's on the table, what's up for grabs, should I choose in favor of this client? And I talked about 
things that are in your name and in your social security versus things that are in your LLC and your EIN. Well, if you're doing a really good job from the beginning at separating those things, once again, you are setting your business up for success from before launch. Because now what you're going to do, even more specifically, when it comes to separating business from personal, is I want you to write down getting a business checking account. Right. Again, in in working with black business owners as long as I have and in doing bookkeeping and taxes and all of that fun stuff or at least stuff that I consider fun. One of the biggest things that uh, that we have to overcome in the challenge is working with business owners. They have everything all mixed up. You got your personal, your business stuff. All these transactions is in the same account. Right. And so when down the line, when it comes to you trying to get access to capital to get a loan to get a grant and you have to produce financial statements all of that stuff is in there together right and you may have already been denied for a loan you may have already started your business and you had all that stuff commingled and the banks went full with you so that's why that number two financial strategy is to from the jump separate your business from your personal, your business assets from your personal assets, your business checking account from your personal checking account. Okay, you can absolutely have cars in your business's name, you can have commercial property in your business's name. Okay, but you want to have that distinguishment on those things. On the title, what does it say? Does it say you, the CEO, or does it say your business? Okay, so that's separating personal from your business. The other tidbit that I want to talk about with separating personal from business, which is also going to definitely be uh, an, an episode dedicated exclusively to this, and that is in separating personal from business, You're now opening up an opportunity for your business to build credit separately from you, the CEO. And I know that you've heard people talk about business credit before. That's something else that we do with our business owners. And that is, first of all, understanding and getting in the position to build business credit the right way, but then also building that business credit. And so if you're considering launching, understanding from the beginning how to keep those things separate, I want you to write it down. You got to write it down and you have to do this from the beginning. When you now going back to that business checking account, what do you need to start a business checking account? Because this links into how things are going to be separate in that business credit. You need that EIN. Right. You need to make sure that your business has an EIN, which is free, by the way. And I I always say this IRS.gov free IRS.com, which is not the IRS, you know what I mean? That's where y'all are getting trapped into paying for these EINs that you do not have to pay for. Okay, IRS.gov, 
free because that's Department of Treasury. That's IRS. It's free. But IRS.com, not free. Not the IRS. You don't want to fool with them. You don't have to fool with them. So under the separating personal from business, that EIN, employer identification number, that you're going to get for free from the IRS is the absolute way that you begin separating your personal credit from your business credit. Because you are building and will build those things exclusive from one another. You can't build business credit without an EIN, an employer identification number. All right. So the third one. And as a bookkeeper, you know, I got to do this. All right. You have got to be able you you have got to be able to have a system in place that allows you to track your income and your expenses. Now, I work with real business owners and I realize that everyone is not going to start out with this monthly subscription to QuickBooks, you know, or you may opt for a uh, free cloud accounting version. That's fine. You may even be using a spreadsheet. And let me tell you something. Some of y'all are Excel warriors and probably have it better than QuickBooks. So I'm giving you all of this kind of disclosure to say that right now, because you're in pre-launch or maybe you just started, I don't care how you're tracking them, right? I just want to make sure that your number three your number three financial strategy is that you're tracking them. And and I'm 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 drilling in on this in such a way because there is a misconception that oh, I just started my business. I don't need to, you know, I don't have any income. I don't have any expenses. So I don't really need to have a procedure in place in which I'm tracking it. And that is a misconception because a lot of what we'll we'll be learning together on this podcast is really the deeper level is a learned behavior. How can we ensure that our learned behaviors in being black CEOs is one that's going to set our business up for profitability, for success? One in which we're not going to be a part of the the so-called 40% of businesses that closed during COVID. Our learned behaviors have to focus into that change we need it to be. So we have to abandon the misconception that just because you are a new business or you or you're a pre-launch that somehow you can sort of non-prioritize having a system in place in which you are tracking your income and your expenses. I cannot drill y'all enough on it because let me give you a number one example of what you're doing. You're actually leaving money on the table. You want to know why? Because, and this is the next financial strategy. Um, so I'm giving a little bit of a pre prequel into that. But when you are filing your taxes, If you haven't been keeping track of your expenses and your income, let's say definitely expenses, 
Well, now you are not writing off everything because you have no clue what you spent. You have no clue. You're like, oh, well, I'm pretty sure I bought some stuff from, you know, Office Depot. I'm pretty sure I, you know, used gas. Pretty sure it will never get it when the IRS is sending you a letter or your state is sending you a letter about these expenses you wrote off on your tax return that you don't have documentation for. And if you're not using the cloud-based accounting that automatically links to your business checking account and creates that paper trail of you're using a spreadsheet or a shoebox, the learned behavior is what we will change together when we talk about getting you bankable. So number three, track your income and your expenses. However you choose, but track it. It doesn't have to be commas upon commas, whatever your income is, whatever your expenses are, make sure that you are keeping track of those. All right. Now, there are some other questions that are absolutely vital to the success of your business, to those learned behaviors that I just talked about when it comes to you tracking your income and your expenses. And so now it gets into how you do like, obviously, if you're just doing, you know, stuffing your receipts in a shoebox or in an envelope, so forth and so on, you're not going to have the dynamic information that you need that I'll be talking about. But remember, I said, if you're doing that, fine, at least you have your stuff in. in that's a baby step. I, we're going to do the baby step today. And you can absolutely have it in that shoebox or that envelope. However, where I want you to go and where I prefer you start off is to at least have a cloud-based accounting software or a spreadsheet. Uh, Whatever is going to be easier for you to be, understand what your data actually means, right? So we're tracking the income and expenses and you might be like, for what, Taliba? Because tracking your income and your expenses allows you to answer certain questions that you need to be able to answer. And on demand, like to me, monthly, Right. Monthly is how frequently you should be looking at your data. And that's even if you are a new business. Let me give you the questions and then maybe it'll make sense. OK, am I spending too much on supplies and services? Now, you may say, duh, <laughs> I can see my receipts say that I spent five hundred dollars on this. That's too much. That's not what I'm talking about. When it comes to tracking your income and your expenses, you need to see the relationship between your income and your expenses. So just like I'm asking you, hey, are you spending too much on your, your uh, office supplies? You should say in relation to what? Right? Because... If that $500 figure that I just said, you can say, well, Talib, I got $500 in receipts right here that I've spent on office supplies, but I made $10,000 in income this month. So no, I'm not spending too much. You see what I just did there? There's a relationship between the income and the expenses. And so when we're working with business owners and we're getting that system in place, now we're able to ask those questions 
And so if I say, hey, you spent $500 on office supplies, you're like, no, that's not only within budget, girl, but that's I, I made 10000 So I'm good. You see that relationship, that relationship that between income and expenses that I want you to have from the beginning. OK, it also helps with budgeting from the beginning, because if you know how much you have to start off. And you're tracking that income and expenses, you're staying within budget. Another question. How many clients can I have in order to return a profit? See, I'm getting deep now. So you see now that tracking your income and your expenses is so much more. Because if I took you on as a client, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So how many clients do you need to have this month to return a profit? If you're not effectively tracking your numbers, or if you are actually working with someone who's not asking you that question and showing you how to answer it. That's not a learned behavior that, that I want you to be. That's not a path I want you to be on when you're considering launching your business. And I'm even throwing relaunching. So let's take that income and expenses category. And the question, how many clients do you need to return a profit? You're very much going to be able to look at your categories of expenses. For example, let's use the 500 figure I just used on office supplies. We can say that in totality, all of the expenses that I need in order to get this client is $500. In order to provide the service to get this client, it requires that I spend $500. So let's go back to that question. How many clients do you then need in order to return a profit? So you should know the answer now. Because if you've collected all of your expenses and you've now said, well, Taliba, in order for me to provide this service or provide this product to one client, it costs me $500, then you want to make a profit. So it's going to cost you at least six, you know, at least one client. You're going to break even. You want to at least have two, right? And that's then where you start understanding the dynamics between what you charge and how much you're paying for things and how many clients you need to actually get some profit. So who did not have that on their pre-launch list or relaunch list? You're in the right place. All right. Number four. Because I have a lot of other questions that 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 tracking and income, uh, tracking income and expenses strategy can can give you. But we're going to lay it on easy today. Now, the fourth financial strategy that you that you absolutely if you're not considering this when you start your business. Don't launch it. And that is you need to know the federal and states cut of all this money you bought to make. And really that's all like all of this is tied into your big picture. 
all of the other three strategies I just talked about, it's all tied in. Again, number four, you want to know the federal and state's cut of this money that you're about to make. Now, how does that work? How do you know that? It's a lot of different ways. And as you probably could have imagined, I'm about to say this a whole nother episode. But let me give you the prequel to that. How you file your taxes. Back to number one. Now, if it's just you or if you are starting as a, a as a business that got a contract. So now you have payroll in any instance. You need to know how to determine what your tax liability is going to be, or at least your learned behavior needs to be able to position you in being able to know what that is, because that should be a part of your budget as well. So how you file taxes. Remember, we talked about like whether or not you should be a sole proprietor or whether or not you should be an LLC. So there is a little piece that I left out that we'll dive deeper in together. That is, let's assume that that you listen. I convinced you, you're going to do single member LLC, right? Now, there's a tax form that the IRS is going to be expecting that you file when it comes to being either a sole proprietor or a single member LLC. And that's the Schedule C. Okay, that's how you're going to be communicating to the IRS in the state. This is how much money I made. This is how much money I spent. And this is what's left. All right, that's what you're telling the IRS in the state when you file your taxes. And if you are a sole proprietor or a single member LLC that has not opted to file as a corporation, then your business performance, I like to say, is going to be reported on a Schedule C. If you are a single member LLC and you have opted to file as a corporation, and that is right now under new, under current tax guidelines, a lot more advantageous for you to file as an S-Corp. Okay, and an S Corp is a filing status. It is not a legal entity status. So I know that y'all hear, you know, all these folks talking about S Corp, S Corp, S Corp, S Corp. I'm going to make sure you understand exactly because there's so many moving pieces to making sure that you truly maximize that S Corp tax filing strategy. Okay, but for now, I want you to make sure that you know that that S Corp is that's not a legal entity. That's a tax filing status that you have to get approval from, from the IRS. All right. And as I said, and I want you to write down that as an S Corp right now, current tax guidelines is more advantageous. You're going to be filing on the 1120S tax form. Now, as a tax person, I want you to know that the t- the number one tax benefit for filing as an S-Corp is that you're going to avoid what's called self-employment tax. 
And like I said, we're going to do a whole entire episode on this. And I'm probably going to have to throw some graphics at y'all because I don't want to lose you. And I want you to understand it. And a lot of times you see it better when you see a graphic. So we're going to get some graphics on here. But for the most part, I want you to understand that if you are filing a profitable business on a Schedule C, it is going to be subject to self-employment tax. And right now that's at 15.4% on top of whatever other income that you have that may be subject to taxes. But everyone's pushing you into an S-corp, including myself, because filed correctly, okay, that profit or that loss that is experienced on your S-corp tax form is now going to be passed through your personal taxes and it's not going to be put on your Schedule C. It's going to be put on a different schedule, received as other income. So you're avoiding self-employment tax. So I went through that generally because you want to know the cut. Remember, if you're on a Schedule C, the easiest way to think of it is that self-employment tax, unavoidable, 15.4%. If it's a profit on that Schedule C, that's that's one of the cuts that you're going to experience. Let's talk about payroll. And so payroll in itself, we know it is it, it gives it gives my business owners anxiety. But I we will talk about in great detail why I should not. And why you want to be on a formal payroll for your business. You want to be on a formal payroll. And I'm not, again, I'm not even going to break it all the way down because, again, that's a whole nother episode. But for pre-launch or relaunch, and what I want to make sure that you do not do, if that's where you are right now, and let's leave this out. You want to make sure you're talking to someone about, hey, okay, yeah, so how do I make sure that, I know the federal and states could of all this money I need to make and better yet, even how I can make sure that it's not as large of a tax bill <laughs> as it would be if I didn't consider these financial strategies. All right. So now we're going to the last one. And the last one is heavy. The last one is heavy, but I'm trying to get y'all bankable. Right? So I got to talk to head. I, I can't, I can't block you from this information. I can't keep it to myself. So that learned behavior, we got to talk about cash flow management and the ability to forecast, the ability to plan out into the future. We got to talk about it. So what do you what do you think when you uh, hear the term cash flow or cash flow management? I'm here to tell you in in our community, this is not, you know, like, oh, my God, your girl, sit down. Let's talk about cash flow management. Like it's not it's not talked about all the time. It's not it's not one of the you, you know about taxes. Yeah. But cash flow management. That's not a conversation that 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 black folks are having access to all the time immediately from the jump. So so you see already 
how we got to talk about that. That that's that's got to be number five. That's got to be on your list before you launch or if you're relaunching. And that's understanding cash flow management. And I kind of gave you a a, a pre a preclude there um, when it came preview there when it came to understanding the relationship between your income and your expenses. And remember, I asked you, okay, how many clients can do you need in order to be profitable? Are you spending too much in office supplies? And so you saw that there was a relationship there, that there was there was some 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 deep thinking and some deep analytical stuff that you're able to do with your numbers there. I want you to think about that with cash flow management. Okay? Because being able to understand how your business is operating and how you can leverage your cash flow is I mean again it is although it's under the context of the formal term cash flow management it's not talked about enough and so in addition to that what I want you to to write down and understand when it comes to cash flow management is that it's so much more than you going into your account online at the end of the month and seeing, oh, okay, cool. I must be profitable because at the end of the month, I have money left over. Right? Cash flow management, that's, that's, and I'll even challenge you and say that just because you have money left over at the end of the month does not mean that your business is profitable. Right? Though it's absolutely right. So that's another misconception. That's another learned behavior. You believing that, oh, you know what? I don't I don't have to have any type of system in place that could track my numbers like a cloud-based accounting. I don't have to have that because when I log into my business checking account at the end of each month or just at any given time, I have money in there. It's not overdrawn. So my business must be profitable because that's not true. And understanding cash flow management is going to give you that insight to be able to understand that just because it's money left over does not mean that your business is profitable. And so when it comes to, to tell you how powerful cash flow management is, when it comes to that stat that I keep bringing up, you know, the 40%, 41% of black businesses that actually closed that they're saying are closed during during the pandemic. One of the reasons that I saw um, linked to that stat as to why those businesses had to close was surrounding cash flow. So here's another here's another context of understanding cash flow and why it's important. So considering the businesses that closed, one of the things that was said was that minority businesses struggle with being able to forecast their money out into the future. Meaning if you you got no, no more clients other than the one or two that you have, how much longer can you keep your business open? So that's what cash flow management also helps you with. Because again, we said, well, it takes me $500 
to produce the product or the service with one client. So if you got the one client and you know it costs you $500, that is only a slither of the expenses for your business, right? You probably have rent, whether it be because you have your office space or because you are using your home, you have utilities, you have travel, you have inventory, you have so many other expenses. So being able to say, well, I know it takes me $500 to get one client. Okay, that's just touching on what it takes for you to get one client. You got a whole bunch of other expenses that's sitting over here in a pile looking for you to pay them. So when you understand cash flow management, we bring all that in and then we're able to say at the rate that you're going right now, you can stay open another month before you have to close. That's what being able to forecast that out. I want you to be able to forecast that out. I want you to have the tools in place to be able to do so before you even start or if you're relaunching before you even relaunch because you you know you have it all together you've gotten one through four down okay now you've gotten your marketing in there so that you can get the word out and all of these different things but you're not just doing this just you know because it's shiny and bright like you're do you decided to if you pivoted from a W2 job or you're pivoted from some other job or some other situation, you are in it for the long haul, right? So being able to not only just start, but to provide for your family, contribute to the community, whatever your financial motivation may be for becoming a business owner, you want to be able to do that forever. You, I mean, who you don't want to just start a business and then um, a year from now or earlier, you're having to close that business. And that's what understanding the cash flow of your business, the cash flow management, being able to forecast that all involves. Being able to see that big picture of the business of your business. So being able to run your business, not just run your passion, not just doing what you do really well. And that is the reason why you're in business. What we've talked about today is how you need to make sure that you are able to run your business from the jump, from pre-launch or relaunch. You can't start your business without these five financial strategies in your launch plan. And even in establishing your launch plan, you know, in Googling your launch plan, the five financial strategies, they're not coming up. That's why we're doing the Black and Bankable podcast. Because in my experience, and and I challenge you to Google it, a lot of times it's just focusing on marketing, or focusing on all the things that are important. Make no mistake. These things are absolutely important. You want to make sure that you get the word out. But I want you to consider the five financial strategies that we just went over today as the foundation of the foundation. 
because you 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 have this bad ass marketing plan um, and you have all the inventory together. And if you don't have a financial infrastructure in place. It's all for not. So that's it for today's episode, y'all. First episode. And we had to start out with the first episode being what you got to do if you're considering starting a business. And we're going to be doing deep dives, more conversations about these particular pieces, as well as more. I mean, you know, I do taxes and bookkeeping and loan packaging and all of that stuff and and, and secured. You saw the intro over eight million dollars in legitimate funding for black business owners. So that, we're talking about all of it. Here to help you get to the bag. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much.